Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, it's an amazing thing. I invite you to come back tonight to our prayer service. We pray three times a week here at Island Church, just as, a, as, as, as just normal routine. We pray before the service here on Sunday morning at uh, 9 o'clock till about 9.40. Gives people time to get out and get a donut. Amen. We want you to get your donut. Then we pray on Wednesday night, 6.30. Then we pray on Thursday night, which we, what we call pastoral prayer. So that's three times a week that affords you an opportunity. Now let me just say this to you real quick. I, 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 in 2020, 2020, we prayed by unction. Anybody a part of that prayer meeting, whether you came once or you came every time? We prayed by unction. There was a strong unction. We had 122 straight days of prayer in which I think the smallest crowd we had was about 30, and we had crowds up to 50 or 60 people. That's a lot of people in a prayer meeting. I know a pastor that he has a church of 5,000. They called a, did a prayer conference, and five people showed up. That's because there's great resistance to prayer. The devil, know, the devil knows if you pray, God's going to do something. You know, it was John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist religion, that said, it seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless men pray. Amen. Now we're praying. You know, we like to say it like this. It's by labor, but it'll turn to passion. That's why a lot of people really never get into prayer and what it can do in their life because that beginning phase of prayer in your life is a labor, and you've got to labor through that. But I'm telling you, when you labor through that and get to the passion part, you'll look for a time to pray, a place to pray, and people to pray with. Amen. Now, what I wanted to say was this. In, in, in my own prayer time and praying and, and interceding here in the last few days, the Lord spoke to me and he said, tell the people this. Tell them that in your repertoire, in your, in your, in your what, what would we call it? You ever heard of a, of a, of a bug out bag? You might have heard that phrase before. People that are like preppers or stuff that think you need, you need to have this bag and, you know, you need to have all these things that, that, that you need. If, if you were going to just take off, you need all that stuff in that bag. Amen? And so, you know, I guess if you need one, I guess you can have one. Amen? But uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual prep bag you need. And in that bag needs to be prayer. Sure, there needs to be study of the Word, meditation on the Word, right living, holy living. There needs to be giving. There needs to be all of the... But there needs to be... Prayer needs to be in that, in that repertoire of your spiritual life. Not only a personal prayer life, but a corporate prayer life. There's something very unique about corporate prayer in churches who have developed it. Now, let me say that again. In churches who have... Many churches have never developed corporate prayer. Uh, they may meet a time or two a year, three or four times a year, and pray together, but they've never really developed a flow. If you come into one of our prayer meetings and you've never been in one before, you will find a real divine flow, and you will find a divine order in that. We've learned how to pray, and we've learned how to be quiet and listen. We've learned how to sense the, the unction of the Spirit to pray for particular or certain things. It's a unique exercise in faith in which God teaches us. Now, we are a church that has developed corporate prayer over the years. We began actually before we were a church praying how long? Sweetie, like eight months before we ever started the church. And that was a constant prayer meeting that went on. So prayer is part of the foundation with the Word of God in the church. But listen, church, we have to pray together to navigate what's coming you got to understand this about what's came. We've already gone through what's come. 
Amen. We've already gone through what's come. But it's what's coming that God wants to prepare us for. And I'm telling you, in my spirit, I see some things that are ominous in the world, that are going to happen in the world, uh, in the world system. One friend of mine who I, who I trust pretty much in his, his prophetic insight, he said the Lord keeps telling him, buckle up. You ever been on a plane when the buckle up sign comes on? A few times I, I've been on it and it's never meant much. A couple of times when they put it on, I was glad they did or I'd have been stuck to the ceiling a couple of times. Amen. So it's time to buckle up, buckle down. Uh, the, 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 the service tonight is a little more formal. Uh, other services, we just come together and pray. But, but tonight we'll have worship. Uh, we'll teach a little bit. Then we'll pray together. And this will be the third or fourth one we've done. And every time God has moved supernaturally. And it's amazing how God can do that in an atmosphere of those that are seeking God and crying out for His plan and His purpose. Amen? Back to Psalms 23. You know, we were studying and looking. We did a little bit of historical background. And I think it's an amazing thing to know that Psalms 23, which is probably, I would say, probably the most popular psalm of the psalms. I mean, I like Psalms chapter 1. I like Psalms 110. I go all through the psalms. Tell you, I like Psalms 35. I tell you all, all kinds of psalms that I like. But I think it's kind of like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Most people don't. I know at most funerals they print a little card has the, the, the shepherd's song uh, on the back. You know, you ought, to, you, ought to, you ought to have that totally, you ought to have Psalms 23 totally committed to memory and, and deep in your spirit where at any time you can just, just dredge it up and just declare it in your life. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in, in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name. I'm telling you, at any time you can speak that over yourself and it'll refresh you. Amen. Amen. So we looked at last week how this particular psalm was penned on probably one of the worst days of David's life. An insurrection against his, 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 his kingdom had been risen up by his own son, Absalom. Absalom had come in through the, through the eastern gates of the city. It's, that's where all the conquerors come through. And David had fled through the valley of Kidron, which is the valley of the shadow of death. He had fled through that. Now, in the midst of that, you might have thought he'd have wrote some, you know, poor old sad, woe is me. You know, I don't deserve this. No, he didn't write that. He wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even, even when those, you know, those people that were in the, the, previous, the previous family of the king, King Saul, they all, they all thought, this is our chance. Oh, boy, we get to go back into the, into the king business again. But they didn't. But many of them begin to respond to David negatively, and it cost them. But in the midst of it, out of his own heart, the Spirit of God inspired what they call the shepherd's song, psalm because he knew that as he left and went through that Kidron Valley, God was going with him. Aren't you glad when you go through a valley, God goes with you? Now, let me emphasize this because I like to do this anytime I teach on Psalms 23. There are two dimensions to God's interactions in your life supernaturally. There is that which God delivers you from. Everybody say from. And then there's that which God delivers you out of. Everybody say out of. Now, in my, you know, years of ministry, I have learned this. The majority things in life, of life, majority of the things in life, God does not deliver you from those things. He delivers you out of them. That means you have to go through a process. Now, those deliverances that are instantaneous... 
That's when you're delivered. I mean, you come down to a, to a, to a meeting and, and you come up for prayer and your body's hurting and hands are laid on you and you walk back to your seat and there's no pain. You got delivered from something. Amen. Many times that has to do with the gifts of the Spirit in operation or a special endowment on the, on the ministry of a man or a woman that may be ministering at that time. Whatever it may be, it's an in, instantaneous impartation of the life and power of God. And I, listen, if you want to be delivered from something, the way, thing to do is get your faith out there for it. Amen. Amen. We, we, we prayed for uh, uh, Pastor Randy Ayer's granddaughter. Years ago, I came into a meeting. I was starting a Sunday through Wednesday meeting there at the church in Grosbeck, and a lady came up in the prayer line. And when she came up, she said, I've been waiting all month for you to get here because I've been telling everybody when, pa when Brother Rusty gets here, I wasn't pastor at the time, when Brother Rusty gets here, I'm going to go up in that prayer line on Sunday morning. And she had terrible uh, 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 kidney stones and all kinds of things in her body that were going to do this radical surgery. And she, he, she said this, when he prays for me, I'm going to be delivered of that. Well, she'd been saying that for, the month, for a month. Pastor Randy told me that. I didn't have any word of knowledge. I didn't have any type of uh, gift of the Spirit in operation. But I noticed this. When she came up and I, and, and I laid hands on her, I was aware of an outflow. Amen. I said, I was aware of an outflow. I, I knew in my spirit, somebody's getting delivered from something. Amen. She came back on Tuesday after going to the doctor on Monday. She said as she laid on the hospital gurney to go into surgery, she, she demanded they take another x-ray. And they said, ma'am, we've got x-rays from every angle we can think. She says, well, you know, it's my insurance. Take another x-ray. They took another x-ray and everything was gone. Amen. She got delivered from something. But I know others that have had to go through. Now, here's the problem. I would love to be delivered from everything. Instantaneously. Jesus, boom, it's gone. <laughs> Amen. But I found out life isn't like that. There is resistance. There is that which the enemy tries to plan and strategize and do. But in the midst of it, listen, this is so good. There is a special grace. There is a special grace on God's people to go through things because you don't go through them by yourself. Sure, you go through them with your church. Sure, you go through them with you. But you go through them with God. As it says in Isaiah 41, he's the one standing there with his hand in your hand saying, fear not, I'm with you. You're going to get through this. It's going to happen for you. Just keep standing in faith. Sometimes it tries our patience. The time factor many times will try to erode your faith. But if you will stand in the midst of it and rejoice and maintain your life of praise and worship for everything you believe in God for, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Thank you for my breakthrough financially. Thank you for what you're doing in my family. Thank you for what you're doing in my church. You maintain that thanksgiving in your heart. You'll never, ever, ever allow the time factor to discourage you because you have or have not received based on some time limit the devil's put in your mind. Amen. God's a good God. And for you that are going through some things right now, thank God you're going through it. Amen. You're not going to stop in the midst of it and build you a camp. No, you're going on through it, coming out on the other side in Jesus' name. Now, we, we got through the first part of it. Let me just go ahead and read it. I like reading Psalms 23. Let me find it here. Psalms 23, King James, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, we talked about that last, last week. We know needs things that are unique to our survival, but there are things we want. Let me, I know people are like, oh, I don't know, man, you know, uh, that's, one, that's one of them things, that prosperity message I just really don't like. 
I just really don't like people talking about something they wanted and praying and God giving it. I just, well, get over it. My God, find something you want. You know, we did that one time in a prayer meeting here on a, on a, I thought we used to pray on Tuesday nights years ago, right before we, before the storm came in, in 2000 and we had a prayer meeting and there was an unction or a word or something and everybody was supposed to name something that they wanted. People had a hard time naming things they wanted. I didn't. <laughs> Amen. And I remember there were the cars and, uh, and, and my brother, my brother, Alan, he just, he said, well, you know, I want a new surfboard. Everybody kind of went, that's, that's, that's what I don't like about that prosperity mess. You know, did you know two days later somebody totally did not even know anything about church or prayer or anything like that gave him a brand new surfboard? You know why they gave it to him? Because he wanted it. You know why he got it? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, sometimes you got to undo some things to get some, some, some word into people. Lee and I, for years, you know, we prayed over uh, vacations, places we wanted to go, places we wanted to preach. We just wanted to go there, wanted to experience. Wanted, and did you know God answered our prayer? Amen. Amen. And then as we prayed over our motives the, oh, over the years, God gave us desire for a child. We wanted it, didn't need it. Breland's not in here, is she? Good. <laughs> but we wanted it. God changed our hearts, put a new want on the inside of us. Amen? And so by faith, standing in faith, we believe God. And God, listen, don't, it glorifies God for you to have a smile on your face. And God knows how to put a smile on your face. How do we get off on that? That's good anyway. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's where, the, that's where the pasture has its most potential to get into you the nutriments of the grass. Amen. That's a green pasture. In the, in the, I'm familiar with a lot of cattle ranching they do over here northeast of us up in Chambers County. And in the wintertime, they plant for the cattle what's called ryegrass. And you know what's unique about ryegrass? Ryegrass, you, you, you feed feeder cattle a certain way and you get them to the place where you put them on ryegrass. You do that right before you sell them because that, that takes and tightens that meat up, makes it what you, what you need it to be. It's not, a, it's not what they call a hot food or a protein. It's something that does something different. But that, that, that only grows in the wintertime. It only grows in the winter. And they'll plant these big fields of this ryegrass. Well, the problem is you got these guys coming down from the north called snow geese. And ryegrass to them is like candy. They don't eat the grass. They stick their beaks in the ground and they eat the roots. They flip them, flip them. They, if you see snow geese in a rice field, drive by two days later, look like a mud hole. They'll tear it up, amen. But those, those farmers will hire these outfitters and guides to go in there and hunt those geese to drive them out of those fields because they know it's that green grass at the time in the winter that's going to make those cows the most healthy. So they'll plant that ryegrass and then they'll do everything they can do to keep the predators off of it. Listen, God has some green pastures for you. Where the, where, the, where, the, where the fruit of those pastures has everything it needs in it to make you everything God says you are in the Word of God. Health in your body, blessings in your life, peace in your marriage, open doors, the favor of God. Listen, God does not withhold that from His people. He pours it out in abundance, but you have to have knowledge of it and you have to go after it with your faith. Everybody say, I believe I receive. Amen. And then it says, he leads us beside still waters. Did you know the still waters are the only waters that a sheep will drink because they don't trust murky water and they don't trust running water. So God knows the exact kind of food and water you need Amen. to make you grow, 
to make you strong and to make you healthy. Amen. Amen. Then it says this. And this is, a, this is a good one. There's a lot of people who need to claim this one. He restoreth my soul. Well, why do you think he was saying that? Well, his soul was ripped out of his heart because literally his son was causing insurrection. He's walking through the Kidron Valley. People are throwing rocks at him and cursing. He needed a little soul restoration. You ever need restoration in your mind, your emotions, sometimes in your will? You ever made wrong decisions? Think, man, I need to make some right decisions. It's amazing how one right decision can get you out of a whole basket load of bad decisions. That one decision could just be to serve God. Amen. He restoreth. Everybody say restoreth. He restoreth my soul. Now notice this. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. I have drawn so much out of that scripture over the years. Number one, realizing for me, I can't say this for you. You have to find this out for yourself. But it is true for every person in here. There is a path of righteousness. I know what it's like not to be on that path. Man, I'm telling you, it's a bad stuff. You don't want to not be on that path. But for every one of us, especially in these last days, there is a path. Now you say, what do you mean a path of righteousness? It is a path that shows everybody the way you are living is proof that you have right standing with God. Amen. It is a literal visual observation of men and women that are walking in that place of right standing with God that Jesus Christ provided through his death, burial, and resurrection and his blood being upon the mercy seat. I mean, there's a way to go. I said, there's a way to go. I said, there's a way to go. And there's a way to go that way. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's where we left off last week. So we'll pick up with this verse. Now here we go. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. Amen. Now notice this. He called it the valley of the shadow of death. I like what one old preacher said years ago. He said, I never, I never saw the shadow of a dog bite anybody. Now notice the terminology. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Of the shadow of... He says this, I'm not going to fear any evil. He didn't say I won't feel it. He said I'm not going to fear it. That means you don't have to fear what you feel. You don't have to fear what you feel. I, I've, listen, I've turned... I've noticed on my, on my uh, remote there's an off switch. There's a place to change the channel. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to some goofy news program that's scaring you, why don't you turn the channel off? Because that feeling you're getting is something the enemy's trying to use to promote fear in your life. I mean, if you want it, it's amazing. The wide scope of what people think is and is not going on. And they're filling up hours of news programs trying to convince you that what they think is right. Well, I'm going to get my information from the Word. Amen. I'm living in one of the greatest times to ever be a Christian on the planet. 
I'll tell you, there's opportunities out there to win people to the Lord, to influence people for the kingdom of God. There's opportunity to reach the nations of the world. I'm telling you, the doors are open and wider than they've ever been. We need to be busy about the master's business and not freak out because the world's going crazy because God said it would, and he said, I'll keep you in the midst of it. He said, I'll never leave you, forsake you. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. He must, have been, he must have known. There's going to be some stuff at the end of the age. People are going to need to know I'm right there with them. Amen. So, yea, though, I walk through. Now, there's the through part. He didn't say, well, I'm stuck here in the valley of the shadow of death. I guess, I, I guess I'm not going to fear any evil. No, he says, yea, though, I walk through it. You say, why do we need to go through it? It's because the path of righteousness leads you out of any trial, tribulation, or trouble. Amen? You say, well, I'm serving God, doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I, and I had this rise up. I had that rise Well, you've got an enemy called the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, and make your mind go crazy. That's exactly what he wants to do. But in the midst of it, God restores our soul, leads us in paths of righteousness, brings us into green pastures, brings us into still water. And listen, anything that we may feel that could be a terroristic feeling, a, 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 a feeling of whatever fear tries to produce, we don't have to fear it. But what if they say this? And what if they say that? It's not relevant. What does God say? Now, always remember this, church. We're not in some denial cult. Well, nothing's going on. Nobody's sick. No, no, no. We know what's going on. We know what's happening. But in the midst of it, another great psalm, Psalms 110, says, Rule thou in the midst of your enemies. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at thy right hand. Amen. Till I make thy enemies thy footstool. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. That is a picture of the church ruling in the midst. We're not going to take over. Does anybody remember that old doctrine that came around late, late 80s, early 90s? This doctrine came out of San Antonio. And this was the doctrine. It says, uh, we as Christians have authority on the earth, so we need to take the earth over. And what we'll do is we'll take over all of the governments. We'll take over all of the industries. And then what we'll do is we'll have such a utopia on earth as Christianity has taken over the earth. We'll invite Jesus back to the earth and he'll come back. Problem with that, it's not in the Bible. The guy, <laughs> oh my goodness. You find humor where it happens. So Dr. Lester Summerall, most of y'all do not know Dr. Summerall, but he was a very authoritative man. And, and uh, I heard this story from a, from a very well-known pastor named uh, Rod Parsley. He and I were actually having dinner together at Guido's, and he told me this story. He was on the, the Praise the Lord service, the national, international broadcast of TBN with Dr. Lester Summerall and this man that talked about the Dominion Doctrine was the name of it, the Dominion Doctrine. And so the, the first guest was this gentleman, and he laid out the scriptures, and, and he laid out his, his revelation of this dominion doctrine, and he just laid it all out there. Of course, he was a man probably in his mid-40s. Dr. Summerall at the time was in his 80s. So they had a special singer come and sing, and then they turned to Brother Summerall, and they said, well, Dr. Summerall, what do you think about that? And he said, it's a bunch of bunk. It's a doctrine of devils. It'll lead you to hell if you follow it. He said, they never asked Dr. Summerall to come back on again. But it was true. It was a doctrine of devils. And it ran its course and it caused a lot of people a lot of heartache. But in the midst of the greatest enemies of humanity, the church is going to rule. 
rule thou in the midst of in the midst of COVID, in the midst of everything medical that's being done, in the midst of everything political, social. We rule in the midst of our enemies, and we rule with the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, and the love of God that is in our hearts. That is the thermostat that makes it work and makes Jesus big in our lives. Amen. Amen. So, yea, though, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Now, notice this. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Now, this was a tool that the, the shepherd in that day carried. It's not to rod bottom part for correction. Get out of there. Amen. And the staff, what? For guidance. Had that big hook on it. Don't go that way. Go this way. Amen. So there's guidance and correction in the Word of God. The problem is many times we cry out for guidance. Anybody ever need to know what to do? Anybody ever need to know what to do and how to do it? And so we cry out, Lord, we need to know. We need to know. And then God will give us instruction that demands obedience. So if we're like, well, I don't want to do that, God says, well, if you don't want to do that, then you don't want this. I've always learned this. No matter how uncomfortable my obedience may be, and no matter how far it takes me out of my comfort zone mentally or spiritually or even financially, I know at the end of my obedience, my faith will take hold. It will every time. Financially, medically, no matter what it is, at the end of your obedience, faith will take hold and God's provision will be in your life. Amen. He said, well, pastor, I've been praying and nothing's working. Check up on your obedience. Check up on your obedience. There is a standard in the word of God for serving God. Now, listen, it's not some draconian thing of rules and regulations. The Bible calls it this, a liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I've noticed people that try to bring it over on the legalistic side. All they do is wear people out with rules and regulations. Thou shalt not this, and thou shalt not that, and thou shalt not this, and thou shalt not that. But it's amazing how when you really get into the kingdom of God and discover the liberty the spirit of God gives you, you notice that God takes all of the bad want-tos out of your life and puts all the good want-tos in. And if you'll just obey those good want-tos, you're going to thrive and be blessed in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. How did we get off on that? Two things we got off on. Good anyway. Amen. I like this. Now here's what I wanted to get to. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now listen to that for just a moment. He prepares a table for you. Amen in the presence of everything that is opposing you. So the enemy sees what's on the table and he knows everything on the table is designed to demonstrate his defeat. So what's he going to do? He's going to try to keep you from being seated. Amen. I mean, if you've ever come into a banquet room or a place where people are feasting at a banquet, you know you have to sit down to enjoy it. And the enemy fights God's people trying to get them not to sit down at the table where the provision of God cannot just be revealed, but can be partaken of, digested, assimilated, and released. Amen. 
I'm telling you, church, there's a lot of things that you'd be crying out, God, why don't you do something about this? Why don't you do something? God's saying, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you take your authority? Why don't you stand on the word of God? Why don't you lift your hands and praise me in the midst of it? Why don't you obey what I'm telling you to do? I'm telling you, if you just line yourself up with God, you'll find out a whole lot of things that you've been waiting for. It's not God that's been holding it back from you. It's you that hadn't gotten in the position yet. Your path of righteousness that you should be transitioning down, maybe you stopped. Maybe you took an exit. Maybe something in your life rose up and you got distracted. But in the midst of it, get back on the right path because God has prepared a table for you. Actually, you study the Hebrew, it's actually a banqueting table in which the enemy's standing there and going like this. My God, everything on that table is designed to show that I'm defeated, that I'm weak, that I'm useless, that I've been defeated all down through the eternities by everything that God's ever done to me, and that I'm literally one of the most inept beings in the universe. If they sit down and eat that, I'm finished in their life. No wonder he fights you when it comes time to read the word. No wonder he fights you when it comes time to pray. No wonder he fights you when it comes time to come to church and have the word of God taught to you. No wonder he fights you over and over and over and over again trying to make you go from one church to the next church to the next church, trying to figure out something that might fit your flesh. Don't do that. Put yourself in a church which will put a demand upon you. You say, what do you mean like that? Listen, a lot of churches are doing everything they can do to try to make it easy. I'm not doing that. I want to put a demand upon your faith because only in that demand upon your faith will you grow spiritually. Amen. Amen. And the thing about growing spiritually is this. When you grow spiritually, you outgrow a lot of stuff. A lot of things that we want God to deliver us from, it's not that God wants to deliver us does not want to deliver us from it, he knows that going through it, you'll never have to go down that path again. You ever get gone through something, got the victory in God, and you think, I ain't ever never going that way again. Thank God that's behind me. Amen. Oh, out of time. Glory to God. Thou preparest a table before me. In the, that's a significant revelation. In the, in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read it in the, in the uh, Passion Bible real quick. There's a couple of good Passion Bible. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks me to an oasis of peace the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure. He leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever. Got a better deal than that? (laughs) I mean, when it comes to sold, you ought to buy that right there. There's a lot of other people out there selling a lot of other things, but I'm telling you, this is free. This will bless your life. This will bless your family. This will heal your body. This will bless your finances. This will give you joy. Everybody say joy Joy. and peace. peace. So no matter what you're going through this morning, and I know there's a lot of time, the enemy, he can raise up some of the stupidest dramas. You ever notice that? You think you're just self, you lying devil. But always remember this, the Lord is your shepherd. He is the one leading you. He is the one guiding you. And he is the one in whose victory you are standing on. I had somebody tell me this year. I was very young in the ministry, about two or three years in the ministry. And, and, and a lady said to me after a meeting one night, she said, you know, Brother Rusty, I really like what you preach, but I've never, ever really experienced victory. Well, that, that really, you know, saying that to me, I was like, well, I, I, okay, you know, that's all I could say. <laughs> I mean, I was young, two years out of Bible school. But I went back to my hotel room. I got into the Word of God. And I had, when I came to church that next night, I had the answer. I said, every one of us have experienced victory. Every one of us have the victory. Victory is not something we're trying to obtain. Victory was handed to us on a rugged cross and an empty tomb and a blood-soaked mercy seat. It was handed to us. We're not trying to find some victory or some, 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 some relief to a situation. It's already been given to us. And because it's already been given to us in such a form, all we need to do is to believe it and allow it to assimilate in our spirits to where what we believe becomes what we know. Because it's what you know that you've entered into victory on. I know I'm saved. I know heaven's my home. I know I'm healed. I know there's a path of righteousness for my life. These are things I started out believing and ended up knowing. Same thing's true of each and every one of you. Sometimes the enemy will attack my body with a lie and I'll have symptoms in my body. But see, I know that by his stripes I'm healed. I've had the enemy over the years attack my finances. Sometimes, many times, brutal attacks on our finances. But I know my God supplies all of my need. You say, well, pastor, how can you be so sure and know that? Because I've gone to the end of obedience, and at the end of obedience, my faith has taken hold. And what faith does, it empowers you to cross the line from believing to knowing. Remember our little exercise about how many believe I'm standing here? I like to do that at churches when I'm visiting. How many believe I'm standing here? You don't. Nobody believes I'm standing here. Everybody knows. You contact me with your senses. You see me with your eyes. You hear me with your ears. You do not believe. You say, well, pastor, I can see you and I can hear you. How does that even relate to faith? Faith is what empowers you when your senses are not telling you something is real. Faith empowers you to say, this is what's real. By his stripes I'm healed. He supplies all of my needs. He has given me a, a, a spirit of, uh, uh, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And see, when you know you've done all you've done to obey God, and your faith takes hold, even though you have symptoms in your body, you'll still declare, 
by his stripes I'm healed. Even though you may not have a great financial breakthrough, you'll still declare, I'm the rich of God. Glory to God. He supplies all of my need. See, that standard of the word takes the place of your senses imparting information to give you knowledge, that which you know. Faith steps in and says, you don't need to see it. You don't need to feel it. You don't need to touch it. You don't need to hear it. You don't need to taste it. Here's what the word says. And then as obedience take hold, takes hold, you worship God. You know what happens? Next thing you know, you'll begin to see it. You'll begin to hear it. You'll begin to taste it. You'll begin to feel it. You say, why? That's what faith does. Brings what's from the eternal unseen into the temporal seen to give God glory and honor and to bless your life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for your servant David. Oh, the mighty king of Israel. Thank you for the great shepherd's psalm. For we know he was reflecting the heart of our good shepherd, our chief shepherd, our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for a moment, here this morning, say, Pastor Rusty, I don't know that I'm living right nor doing right. I don't know that if I were to die, I would go to heaven. Maybe you're someone who's never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says it's so simple that the most foolish among us can enter into it and understand it. It's so simple. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He made an eternal provision for you. He created the family that you currently live in, which is the human family. That family fell into sin and unrighteousness, so he made a brand new family called the family of God. You get into it the same way you got into the first human family. You say, how is that? You must be born into it. The Bible calls it being born again. Your first birth was your flesh. The new birth is your spirit. If you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm saved, but I, I've just not been living right. I, I'm not serving God the way I should. I need to be right with God. You know, the Bible addresses that in one of the most beautiful stories of the Bible called the prodigal son. Young man, he spent all that he had, left the father's house with, with everything the father could bestow upon him. The Bible says he wasted it with riotous living, but then he came to himself in a pig pen. He recognized two things. Number one, I need to repent. I need to get right. Number two, he recognized this, there's bread in my father's house. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Lord. I want to this morning. Or you say, I I'm like that prodigal son. I've just been away from the Lord. I need to get right. If that's you with nobody looking around, raise your hand up. I want to pray with you. Anyone at all? One hand. You can put it down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly as we look around. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One more time. I'll look one more time. Because we will pray with just one. Amen? I guarantee you. We've had as many as 10 or 12, 10 or 15. I think one time we had 17 come up in the altar. But today we're just going to pray right where we are. So stand on your feet if you will. Church, you think one is worth it? I said, you think one is worth it? I do. Let's all pray this together. Everyone, especially the one that raised their hand, pray out loud so your own ears hear what your voice is saying. Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, Openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you, God, sent your Son, Jesus, 
the Word of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it in Jesus' name. Areas of my life that do not please you, I ask your forgiveness. I confess it to you, Lord, and you alone. Thanking you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. Here, December the 5th, 2021, as I stand in Island Church, I am right with God. Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. I'll never be the same. Devil, get out of my life. You're not welcome. Jesus, I belong to you. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now rejoice with him. Come on. Take a moment and rejoice. Take a moment and rejoice. Now don't forget prayer tonight at 7, our prayer class that we have each month. Come and be a part of that. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, and all the good things God's doing. Amen. Fathers, we leave today, as is our tradition, we appropriate your safety, your protection, as revealed in Psalms 91. Lord, you said no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. You qualified that by saying we are those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You have set us in that cliff by the rock. You set us in Christ. Therefore, we declare our protection and safety this week. In our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. We thank you, Father. We are protected. Father, we thank you also in the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resources, the jobs, the businesses, that which you've given us to do. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we thank you for the divine enhancement of obedience upon finances, in businesses, that business increases, in investments, in people's jobs, in salaries, and raises, and bonuses. We declare the favor of God. Lord, you said you bless the righteous with favor. You encompass us with it as with a shield. Thank you, Father, for our witness being strong, the fire of evangelism being in our spirit, man. As we go forth this week, let us be an answer to somebody's prayer, problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.